Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, today uh, we are continuing in our series through the book of Revelation. Uh, it's been a phenomenal book. Who, if you've been able to follow on, who's been enjoying their time reading the book of Revelation? Out of curiosity. Fantastic. It's been a, I, I see that hand. God bless you. That, and you had the facial expression that was just like money. So uh, it's been a, a, a phenomenal book. As, as I shared, it's one of my favorite books. Um, and it's, it's about to get real. As I think Joey said that last week, right? Uh, just we, we've had some time with who Jesus is, the letters to the churches, the throne room, but now we're going to get into like the meat and potatoes of the book of Revelation. This is where it gets heavy. And so if you have not begun reading it, I want to strongly encourage you to do it. It is a book of encouragement. Just as a reminder, it is of the apocalyptic genre, and that genre is made hope. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 1. So as you're reading this book, remember, it's pointing you to Jesus and it's to convey hope. And so as you're reading, ask those questions. Where is hope found? And how is this pointing me to Jesus? Our daily writers have been doing a phenomenal job in writing. Uh, This past week, we began to get into the opening of the seals. Um, And we began Friday with the uh, first trumpet blast. So it's going to get, this is going to be a phenomenal time in our study. (coughs) Uh, if you've been watching the news, um, uh, there was a hurricane, I think Fiona, right? Hit Puerto Rico pretty bad. Oh, my watch is talking to me. Oh, she said national. She's always listening. Uh, she's always listening. Um, and I have a friend. He does ministry. Uh, at our previous church, we would take teens to different places. He's now taking teens to Puerto Rico to help in the recovery efforts. I think they were doing, they went this past summer and they were doing work to help rebuild from Hurricane Maria, Um, you know, putting structures up. And now Fiona came and really devastated the region. So if you've been watching the news, it's been quite, quite the scene, mudslides, power outage, and like efforts to like reconstruct buildings, to fortify them and make them stronger. In the face of Fiona, those buildings didn't last. They couldn't stand. Could not stand. Friends, this morning, as we turn our attention to Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 7, that's the question that's going to be posed. Who can actually stand? As you're sitting here this morning, as you're reflecting on this passage, that's the question you and I must contend with is can we stand in the face of what is laid out in this? chapter. And, it's, and as we read, there's two things. I'll keep it simple as best as I can, why we can't stand and how it is that we can stand. And so I want to read Revelation chapter 6. It's going to get fun. And so uh, as my old pastor used to say, buckle your seatbelts, let's take off. Revelation 6. I'll read the whole chapter. It'll be on the screen behind me. You do have to forgive me. Uh, I have a lot of Bibles at home and I picked up my CSB Bible. So if you're reading the ESV, it's not going to read along with you, but uh, all good, you'll get it nonetheless. Revelation chapter 6 reads as follows. Then I saw the Lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. 
I looked and there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow. A crown was given to him and he went out as a conqueror in order to conquer. When he opened the deal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth so that the people would slaughter or slay one another, and a large sword was given to him. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a set of scales in his hand. Then I heard something like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following after him. They were, they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, by famine, by plague, by wild animals of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long? until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood. So they were each given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. Like blood, the stars of heaven fell to the earth as, as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and every free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, verse 17 because the great day of their wrath has come. Here's the question, and who is to stand? Friends, this is God's Word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, creator of the universe, you whom the fountain of blessing flows, our eyes are upon you, and as we study the Scriptures, point us to Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Book of Revelation. It's going to be fun. How'd you like that chapter? It's good. It's like, what in the world's going on here, right? Uh, but we, we begin to unpack some of the things that, for some people, is controversial. There are some people, I'm thinking about the book of Revelation, there's some people that just don't care. You know, it's a book, read it, who cares, right? There are some people that are really trying to figure out what is, you know, the code, the secret code. And there's others that are just like, Lord, what are you saying? And so as we read the book of Revelation today, we, uh, in chapter 7, we're going to get to the infamous number 144,000. And so we're going to figure out who the 144,000. Has anyone heard the number 144,000 before? Right? So we want to know, right? Because there's a lot of theories on who the 144,000 is. In fact, at the first gathering, someone came up to me and said, you know, their, their daughter was concerned that, you know, we've reached the quota. Uh, and, you know, I'm 144,672, so I'm not getting in. So, like, what's going on? And so last week, if you remember, Joey took us in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, we were in the throne room of heaven. Our eyes held the glorious one. In Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, we saw thrones. 
We saw creatures. We saw the elders cast down their crowns. We saw the lion of the tribe of Judah, also known as the lamb slain. And we saw a scroll, and the question was asked, who is worthy to open the scroll? And when the Lamb of God came and opened the scroll, all of the entities gathered down, gathered there, bowed down to worship Him. They bowed before the Lamb in adoration, crying out, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. But today in chapter 6, we don't see people running to the Lamb in worship. We actually see them Jesus is opening scrolls, and things are beginning to happen, and that's creating the tension. What is in the scrolls? Probably a good thing to know, right? And so what are in the scrolls? The scrolls, I would like to suggest to you, contains God's plan to undo and overthrow the entities at work in the world that are opposing him. There is evil in the world. There is wickedness in the world. And there is a promise in Scripture that God will make all things new. And these scrolls reveal how God is going to do that. So in, its simplest, in a simplistic way, the scroll is God's revealed plan for the rest of the world. I believe it's unveiling historically past, present, and future all that God will do to undo the evil in the world. And so the Lamb begins to open the seven seals. Now, if you've been reading or have read the book of Revelation, let me just throw this out there. Uh, Numbers are significant in the book of Revelation, and many of the numbers are symbolic. So don't don't get too caught up in, like, counting. Just know that there is meaning. I think a couple weeks ago we talked about the number seven, uh, perfection, completion. It's a significant number. When you read the book of Revelation, it tends to be John's favorite number. And what I'd like to suggest to you, plan that's unfolding in creation, I believe Revelation is going to give us different vantage points into the same thing. So I was shocked at the first gathering when I asked this question. So I'm going to ask you now, how many of you watch football? Praise the Lord. No one watches football at the first gathering. It was like, you totally killed my illustration. You know, it was sad. So we prayed, God intervened, and they're going to watch football today. It was, it was, it was, it was yeah, it was tough. But think, think about football, basketball, hockey, any sport. An event happens, there's a, a foul, there's a penalty. And what tends to happen is we're trying to find out who committed, and so there'll be different camera angles showing the same event. Does that make sense? I believe that's what's happening in the book of Revelation. With a series of sevens, you're going to see the same event, God's, his, God through history and his plan for restoring the world. Because if you try to read the book of Revelation chronologically, your brain will hurt and bleed. Because you're going to be following, the, like just, just like we just read, the sixth seal and the sun is gone. You're going to get to chapter 8 and the sun is back. You're like, wait a minute, sun is gone, now it's back, then it's gone again. You're going to, be, you're going to bleed. Because you're like, what in the world is going on? So I would like to suggest to you that whether it's the seven seals, understand that God's plan of redemption is unfolding and we're getting different angles. Because what's happening is this, this call is being made. This is what God is going to do. And the hope is that mankind would repent, turn from their sin, and turn towards God. So we see the seals. If you read this passage, you recognize they don't run to the Lamb. They flee from Him. 
And so as the Lamb opens the seven seals, the first of a series of seven plagues is unleashed on the world. The infamous four horsemen of the apocalypse. Anyone ever hear the four horsemen? Right? And so we see when you read Revelation, you got to have all of the Bible in your hand. So uh, anyone, okay, those of you that don't watch football, maybe you like movies? Right? And you know those movies that are elaborate? You got to watch like the prequel to the movie to understand what's going on. So when you get to the four horsemen of Revelation, Zechariah chapter 1 and chapter 6 are going to be your best friend. That's when we're first introduced to these four horsemen. So it's adapted from Zechariah. The, the horsemen bring war, civil conflict, and famine and death are in their wake. They unleash world events that for the first century readers of this book, they were all too familiar with. And for the vast majority of followers of Jesus, this is their reality. They know all too well of, uh, of conquest, of invasion. They know all too well the plague of war and peace being stripped from them and civil unrest. They know far too well the reality of famine and inflation. They know far too well the sting of death and sickness. So these four horses begin to unleash a chain of events. And whether you believe this is waiting to happen or believe it to be happening right now, all good, there is a painful reality of the chaos of history. And not just in the first four horses. When you turn to the fifth, the fifth seal, what do you see? What's in the fifth seal? What happens when he opens the seal? Who are we, who are we introduced to? Martyrs. We're introduced to the martyrs, and they're crying out. What are they crying out? How long? Lord, there is injustice in the world. There is evil. You have this plan to, to make all things new, to redeem, to restore. How long? Isn't that our cry sometimes? In the face of injustice, how long? In the face of pain, how long? In the face of bad news, Lord, do you not see this? And right now, under the altar of heaven, there are martyrs crying out, Lord, how long before you cosmic disruption? Fascinating when you read the sixth event in John's revelation, whether it's seals, trumpets, or bowls, it's always the catastrophic end. All right, so then if you, if you see everything end in the bowls and you get to seven and starts all, uh, get to the trumpets, it starts all over. Same event, different lens. And when these events unfold, when there's war, when there's famine, when there's pain, when there's distress, when you have basically cosmic disruption, when the things in your life begin to fall apart that you once held to make you stand firm, what is your response? You read of the first six seals, and your hope is that humanity would cling to the Lamb. But instead, what happens? The inhabitants of the earth have turned away from God. And now they're crying out. And what do they cry out? Where do they go? Do they go to the Lamb? Where do they go? They go to the caves. And what do they ask to happen? Rocks fall on us. The day of the wrath of the Lamb has come. Who can stand? That is a great question to ask. Who can actually stand before God? I mean, think about this. We're singing, it's, and it's great to sing joy. You give me joy. You're bigger than I. But, but imagine that we were taken 
into the throne room of heaven, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5. You're standing before the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're standing before the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I don't know about you. It'd be hard for me to focus on him. I'm wondering, like, does he know what I did yesterday? Oh, no, I'm done. To stand before the holy God is to stand face to face with absolute perfection. Friends, can you stand before God? You see, God's holiness inclines him to deal with the reality of sin, with wickedness, with brokenness. God will deal with those things. But what terrifies me isn't the evil out there. What scares me is the evil right here. That if God is going to deal with the sin in this world, woe is me. Now, again, if we were reading Revelation chapter 6 through 9 in the comfort of our homes in Annapolis, in Anne County, we read this, and this is surreal. This is crazy. But if we stand back and view these events from a wider perspective, you'll find that what we just read, we can't stand. And every time we try to stand, we often fall flat on our faces. How many of you said, I will never do this? And you end up doing it. Parents, are you not here? Parents, you know what it's like to tell your kid, whatever you do, don't do that. And what do you end up doing? That. I'm I'm in this dilemma now. My now 17-year-old daughter, today's her birthday. Everybody say happy birthday. She's a driver now. God has her license. So I tell her, whatever you do, don't speed. But isn't that the dilemma? The very things we tell people don't do, we find ourselves doing. The very thing we say we're going to stand on, even we can't stand on those things. How many times have you seen pastors proclaim, but yet their lives are contrary? Even pastors have difficulties standing. Maybe it's our political affiliation, and we think our political affiliation, that's where truth, that's where we're going to stand. But even those have difficulties standing firm. It's so challenging to stand. It's hard to stand. And it says, therefore, let anyone who thinks himself that he can stand take heed lest he fall. That if we're careful, we know the very things we say we can stand on and stand firm on. We're like the walls, hoping to withstand the brute force of the wind. Think about the activists today that are are advocating for one thing, and then you find out their private life is so different. So that's the contention with these unleashing of these seals. At the end of the day, no one can stand. That all of us stand guilty before the wrath of God. So after reading of the sixth seal, I asked in the first guy, and they did well. How many of you know how to count? What comes after the number six? So you should read after the sixth seal, what should come next? The seventh seal. The seventh seal. <laughs> The seventh seal should come next, but when you turn to Revelation chapter 7, we don't get the seventh seal. We get a pause. In fact, you're going to see this again 
with the seven trumpets, you're going to see six trumpet blasts, and there's this pause because God is going to do something. So we know on our own we cannot stand before a holy God. So how is it that we can stand? I believe Revelation God's people. And so God answers the question, who can stand? Those that I have put my mark on, those that I have sealed. The sealing is the most precious thing under heaven for God to do to his people. When you seal something, it speaks of uh, 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 protection against tampering. Sealing means it marks ownership, that we belong to God. Thoroughly sealed certifies genuine character. God seals his people. Now, again, if you've been reading the Scripture, this is not the first time God has hit pause to set apart his people before disaster comes. So those of you who have read your Bible, where's the first time we see God said, wait, let me seal off my people. Talk to me. Man. (laughs) Exodus. What happens in the Exodus? The angel of death is to come into the land. And before that happens, what? They mark their houses with the blood, signifying that these belong to him. You see this in Scripture. You see this in Ezekiel chapter 9. Disaster is about to come, and God marks off his people. And when you read Revelation chapter uh, 7, how many horsemen? Four. In chapter 7, there are four winds that are being held back. So John freezes the of the unleashing of the seals to tell us what God has already done in history. God is at work gathering his people from the four corners of the earth. And so who can stand? Those that are sealed by God. And then when you get to Revelation chapter 7, he tells us who are the sealed. And here comes the controversy. John says, I hear 144,000 people from the tribe of Israel. There's the ones that are sealed. So if you're not in that 145,000 from the tribe of Israel, you're done. So I look around, too late. But again, revelation, a lot of symbolism, numbers are significant. Can't get into the details now, but 144,000 is 12, 10 cubed. There's significance to that number and has nothing to do with the people of Israel. Here's why I say that, because when you go back to Revelation chapter 5, John is wondering who can open the scroll He hears one thing and sees what that means. So if you remember in Revelation chapter 5, who is worthy? He hears the lion of the tribe of Judah. But what does he see? He sees the lamb. So he hears one thing, but what he sees is what that actually means. So in Revelation chapter 7, who can, Revelation chapter 6, who can stand? Those sealed by God, God, he hears the number 144,000, but what is it? Here's number 4,000. I'd like to suggest you symbolizing something, but what he sees is this. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, amen. This is what we just blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Who can stand? Those sealed by the Lord. And who is sealed by the Lord? Those that God has redeemed through Jesus Christ. And they come from all people, nations, tribes, and tongues. So the work of God in history is to redeem a people from all corners of the earth. And the result of what God is doing in history is the nations are gathered to worship before the Lamb. And so, friends, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are sealed by Him. What challenges you face in life, even if those challenges take your life, you're secured in Him. We will. In fact, it's disheartening to read this passage and not admit the reality that there are people today that this is their reality. There are people today that know all too real the cry of the martyrs. And so it would be disingenuous of us to ignore that reality. But here's what we know. Not promised that we won't face trials. We are promised that no matter what trial we face, he's with us. That's the promise of Scripture. And friends, as such, we can stand. We do not have to flee the wrath to Because Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself, the wrath that was due us, he took it upon himself on the cross. And so when we fall flat for failing to stand, we don't have to stay there. If you're going to fall flat in your face, do it because you're worshiping Jesus. Because you recognize he is merciful, that he is gracious, that he is loving, and as such, we can stand with him. Friends, that is the promise of Scripture. Ephesians says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of his Scripture. We try to stand on our own. We fall flat on our face. And while flat on our face, Jesus rescues us, and then we stand with him. Do you not remember the story of Peter? He was an apostle. He was a disciple of the Lord. He said, Lord, if everyone denies you, I'm going to stand firm. I will never deny you. And what happens? He falls flat on his face. But Jesus rescues him. And now he stands with him. Friends, if we stand on the truth of God's word, fall flat on our face in humility, then we'll truly be able to with him. So I want to call our team back up, and I just want to read the promise of God that is found in Revelation chapter 7 to those who cling to the Lamb, who don't flee from Him, but rather run towards Him. Revelation 7, 13 to 17, 15 to 17, therefore, they are before the throne of God. They serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to swallow every tear from God. Because that's God's security, and that's his promise that he'll be with us. I want to invite us to pray as we uh, just reflect. And as you reflect, here's the question I want you just to, to, to think about. In lieu of God's Grace, his mercy, his mark on you, knowing that you're secure in him, how might you respond to him? You are securing God. And so I want you to just think, Lord, 
What are you now calling me to be as a result of what you've done in Christ? So I want to give us a few moments to pause, to think about it. And if you're here and you're going through great challenges, know that you're securing him. And so, Father, we pause to, in silence, if you will, this is the seventh seal, there was silence before the throne room of heaven. Lord, we pause in silence to reflect on what it is you're calling us to be, and by virtue of that, what you're calling us to do, because your mark is upon us, that we are yours, you're us to pick us up. And so even in the chaos of history when everything is falling apart and the question is asked, who can stand? Those that are yours that can stand, Lord. So grateful to be numbered among your people, Lord. Not because of anything we've done, but what Christ has done. And our trust is in what he has done. And pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mindful of the 